Fight Podcast, hosted by Sergio Vicente. The Fight Podcast is brought to you by Sage Eats. Sage Eats is a Chicago-based healthy meal prep and fitness mentoring company. They deliver healthy, organic, custom meals directly to your home or office. For those of you not in Chicago, Sage Eats also offers online fitness mentoring where your personal fitness mentor will send you four weeks worth of workouts that are customized to your body and your goals. Your mentor is available seven days a week to answer questions and offer support. Sign up for Sage Eats at www.sageeatschicago.com. Apply promo code FIGHT for 20% off your first three months. Now here's your host of the Fight Podcast, Sergio Vicente. Yo, yo, yo. What it do, what it do, good people. Um, and welcome to the Fight Podcast, your weekly combat sports and culture podcast. I am your host, Serge Vicente, and we have a great show for you today. Uh, today's a fun one. You know, these are my uh, my bonus episodes of the week. Um, I, I want to try to do these as often as possible, especially after amazing weekend cards and we had so many viral moments and trash talking and wwe promos and wwde and all kind of other stuff um but before we get into that um remember this is the Fight Podcast, and we are brought to you each and every week by Sage Eats. Sage Eats offers healthy meal prep and fitness mentoring. Sign up for Sage Eats at www.sageeatschicago.com. Apply promo code FIGHT for 20% off of your first three months. Remember to follow the Fight Podcast on all social media platforms at the Fight Podcast, and follow me at Serge Vicente. Support the show by checking me out on the website, thefightpodcast.com subscribe listen rate share it's currently on itunes and soundcloud and do not forget to purchase merch we've been selling out guys so make sure you're paying attention to that all right so again yes we have so much that happened this past weekend um we had you know the resurgence of Shawn michael's sweet chin music <laughs> well we had um tyson fury looking a bit better and uh obviously uh bellator 204 we're just gonna go ahead and you know while i'm here like i said we're definitely gonna go ahead and jump into that i hope you guys had a great week um the weekend here in chicago was beautiful we had the Aaron water show it was going on all weekend well not all weekend it was uh they had a show on saturday and a show on um on sunday i feel like it was going on all the time our studio here is right in downtown right next to the lake so as you can imagine the water show was right outside and you could hear it the entire time man so it was a great time i mean summertime shy there is literally nothing like it you go anywhere um in the city you have farmers markets and there's festivals on like every other block, every neighborhood. Summertime shy. I'm telling you, if you have not been here, I don't care what anybody says about their city. I don't. There is no city in the world better than summertime shy. And I'll stand on that. <laughs> but um, all in all, great weekend and yo, just incredible fights. So. 
I'm just going to go ahead and jump into it. I want to talk about first and foremost, Bellator 204. Y'all, Bellator, I'm telling you, man, they, they've been doing amazing. They have incredible prospects and just the quality of the show themselves are amazing. Not only do we have an opportunity to watch up and coming people that you may not know. We also have the opportunity to see, you know, they're legends. They're they're really quality fighters. I mean, you look just at the the tournaments that they have going on, the welterweight tournament that is coming up. If you look at it, I mean, those are huge names in MMA, not just in Bellator, just MMA in general. Rory McDonald, Paul Daly, MVP, Lorenz Larkin. I mean, the list goes on and on. Heavyweight tournament, Chael Sonnen, Ryan Bader, Matt Mitrion, you know, Fedor Milinenko, Frank Mir, Rampage Jackson. I mean, these are huge names. So the fact that Bellator is putting on these type of shows, it doesn't surprise me. But as a fan, I am so excited to see what they're going to continue doing. And the cool thing about it with the Dazen deal or Dazan or however they want to say it with the Dazen deal it seems like Bellator is just making the right moves. And Scott Coker, salute to you, sir. Uh, Scott Coker, for those of us who do not know, he is the uh, president, CEO of Bellator. Um, he's also the, the, the man behind and who started Strikeforce. And for all those of us who have paid attention to the sports since then, yo, Strikeforce was crazy. And just look at how something that... Scott Coker, I have to say this. Scott Coker does a better job in finding talent than anybody else in combat sports. He does better than the UFC. Look at all the ta- the the, uh, the talent that they got specifically from Strike Force. That those are guys that were actually brought up, brought on by Scott Coker. We have the 170 pound champ, um, Tyron Woodley. We have the former 85 pound champ. Luke Rockhold. We have the champ champ at heavyweight and light heavyweight, Daniel Cormier. I mean, dude, these aren't like run-of-the-mill, like random guys. These are great people and great athletes. And again, the list goes on and on. I, I mean, we can talk about the Diaz brothers, you know. I mean, not the Diaz brothers. Uh, Nick Diaz was a strike force. You know, Gilbert Melendez, um, Josh Thompson. Come, come on. They had so many great people. And I'm telling you, man, you look at it, Scott Coker has a great eye for talent. And you are uh, Bellator 204 was just the same. Um, I'm going to go through the card. I'm going to go through the main card particularly. And I'm going to spend time primarily on two events. Um, I'm going to touch on the rest of them. But I really want to make sure that I, uh, I give uh, these guys the credit that they deserve. All right. So um, the first fight of the night. Uh, Taiwan Claxton defeated Chris Williams, um, 30-27 on all three cards. Yo, it, it was an entertaining fight. It was entertaining um, in the sense that um, Taiwan is grappling. Just He overpowered Chris Williams. It was what it was. Good fight. Good win for him. Um, looking forward to seeing what he has going up. Now, 
I told you, I was just going to touch on them. <laughs> uh, now, what I wanted to get into. Our week three prospect alert. Our week 23. He came here and he interviewed with us. I'm talking about the man himself. Ricky Bandejas had his Bellator debut fighting against James Gallagher. All right, so I talked about this last episode a little bit, talked about the records and everything else. So I'm going to talk about the fight. The fight kicks off, and I'm going to tell you a little bit about Bo even before the fight kicks off. Before the fight kicks off, Gallagher, all the bravado, all the confidence, and before I destroy him or say anything, whatever, because I'm I'm obviously going to big up Ricky. James Gallagher is a talent. He comes from um, Conor McGregor's camp. He's uh, SVG Ireland over there. Very young, 21 years old. He was 7-0, finishing everybody. He even finished Chinzo Machida. And, and, I'm, and I'm big on Chinzo. Chinzo's awesome. So he goes ahead and drops down to 135. And you can tell he 100% thought he was just going to go ahead and run through uh, Ricky Bandejas. Now, this was James Gallagher's first fight in 14 months. Did he have a little ring rust? Mm, I don't know. But um, when he get, came into the fight, you can tell he was feeling it. He walks into the cage, pounding his chest, saying that, uh, that Ricky is, 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 is fooked. I think that's how they say it out there. <laughs> So he's talking trash to the point that as soon as he walks in the cage, he walks directly to Ricky Bandejas, sticks his arms up in the air and just is like screaming in his chest. You're, you're going to get knocked out. Talking all kind of trash. He goes to his corner, separates the fight stars. And. He, he looks awesome. James Gallagher goes out there and lands a couple solid leg kicks. But from the onset. Okay, so Bellator's referee, not referees, their commentators. Big John McCarthy, who's one of the greatest, if not the greatest referee of all time in MMA, is now the color commentator for Bellator. So all these guys, and obviously, they are very, very high on James Gallagher. And you can tell throughout all of the broadcast, they were championing him like he is the next big thing. Almost to the point that it did not seem like they were giving Ricky a shot. The funny thing about that is they they all of a sudden Bellator for some reason puts up uh, Twitter posts. And they put up a post of Ariel Hawani. And Ariel Hawani said, interesting to see the you know, James Gallagher after 14 months off. Don't sleep on Ricky Bandejas. This dude is the real deal. The guys. The commentators, they mentioned it, but kind of let it go. In the fight, they go out there, and then as you're watching the fight unfold, one of the things that I noticed from the very onset, the first exchange, Gallagher throws um, a leg kick to uh, Ricky's uh, lead leg. And what Ricky tried to do, he reached down as if he was trying to catch the kick and he whips a right hand that just missed. 
from the first, I, was, I mean, that was the first punch he threw. It, it didn't land, but you can tell that that was something that they were working on and they saw. They saw something in Gallagher's game. And they were looking to exploit it, and you can tell. Because Ricky kept on going to the same thing. Catching the leg kick, shooting a right hand. Catching a leg kick, shooting a right hand. But not just shooting a right hand straight down the pipe. Sometimes it came down straight. Sometimes he looped it over a little bit. But you can tell it was something that they worked on. Another thing that you can see that he was working on is that when he was throwing the right hand, he was always moving off to his left. So his head was never on the center line, which is a great thing to do if you're actually looking to counter. Or should I say you're moving out of the way of the counters. Another thing that he was doing and... And it worked out to a T, especially when when the fight continued going. So as the fight continued going on, James Gallagher ended up, you know, shooting for a takedown after he actually kind of got stung by by a solid shot. Again, same with the leg kicks. He kept on coming until Ricky ends up timing him. And what he did, I'm telling you, it's something that I actually heard Paulie Malignaggi talk about in a broadcast. And the broadcast, he was actually talking about, I want to say it was one of the Charlo twins. I'm not certain, but I know he was talking about one of the, he, he, it was definitely Paulie Malignaggi. But when he was um, breaking down one of these fighters, one thing he said is that some people, ah, he was talking about Deontay Wilder. <laughs> We're going to talk about Deontay in a little bit. But one thing Wilder does, and he was talking about the Wilder fight when he was ta- when he was fighting Severn, and Ricky Bondez did the exact same thing. So that's the fight it was, yeah. So when he goes out there, what he was doing is he was throwing a wide left hand. So he was shooting the jab a lot. But one thing that he also did was he threw a wide left hook. And the left hook wasn't really meant to make contact. And if it was, but it was more of a distraction than anything else. He throw a wide, shoot the right hand. Throw a wide, shoot the right He was forcing Gallagher to react. So the initial knockdown... Because as we know, and again, if I haven't uh, broken down already, Ricky Bandejas KOs him in the first round. Boom, sorry, gave it up. Ricky throws his hand, and one thing that he does is very a la Deontay Wilder, also very a la uh, Vasily Lemachenko. He pushes his opponent's guard out the way. So again, with that left hook, he literally knocks down the the uh, the lead hand of his opponent and shoots a right hand without him noticing, literally right behind it. So Gallagher did not see the initial punch that knocked him down coming. This happened halfway through the first round. He gets dropped with a huge right hand. Ricky knocks Ricky knocks down the right hand. Blast! I mean, knocks down the uh, lead hand of. Um, of Gallagher with the left hook, and then he blasts him with the right hand. As soon as that happened, Ricky, and this is something that we talked about in not only his episode when he was on the show, episode twenty-three. We also talked about as a um, as a prospect alert in episode three, 
Once Ricky Bounderhouse has you hurt, he is a finisher. He's not, you know, getting, he's 10 to 1. Or should I say he's 11 to 1? He's not 11 to 1 based on patty cake with people. He's 11 to 1 by putting it to people. So he goes out there, drops Gallagher. Gallagher does not seem like he's out. He, he looks like he's more shocked than anything else. He's like, oh man. He gets right back up. Ricky throws a rear leg roundhouse, kind of glances off of, uh, of Gallagher's hand. That doesn't really make contact. What does he do again? He stalks his opponent. One more time, throws the exact same combination. That same right hand, that same left hook right hand that opened up the initial knockdown. Boom! You can see this one really stunned Gallagher. He was almost out on his feet. He staggers back towards the cage. And then with the, the Shawn Michaels sweet chin music, Ricky Valdez throws one of the only, if not the only, Side kick to the face I have ever seen in an MMA fight. Boom! Lands flush. Gallagher's head, you know, blasts back. Definitely got whiplash. Definitely got a concussion. And honestly, some of the stuff that Gallagher was talking about after that, he had to have had a concussion to say any of that. But gets blasted with that, falls to the ground. Ricky jumps him, finishes on the ground. Beautiful performance makes a name for himself on on the world stage. Um, he is a household name, and now I know not just myself, everybody can't wait to see what Ricky's going to do. Me personally, I was so happy for dude. Um, and, and don't get it twisted, I'm, I'm a fan of James Gallagher as well. I mean, I felt bad for the dude to an extent, but I was more so happy for Ricky to see how he did it, the, his first time on a big stage to get it done like he did. It was really, really beautiful to see. And uh, again, man, it was just fun to watch. And honestly, you know what? I'm really doing this bonus episode to talk about, you know, primarily this and uh, and how we did it. It was amazing, man. Um, after the fight, he handles himself like a gentleman. Gallagher says, you know what Gallagher is supposed to say? I'll be back. I'm still cocky, whatever. I want to rematch. You're supposed to say those things. Um, but one thing James Gallagher said before the fight that I really took into account and I could actually put it into place after the fight. He said before the fight that there's levels to this game. There's levels to it. And he's right. There's definitely levels to this game. He's just not on Ricky's level. Especially after looking at this game. Look at this. James Gallagher is the majority of his wins come on the ground. I believe five of his seven wins are via submission. He's he's beautiful on the ground, especially by by a rear naked choke. When he went to shoot in and take down Ricky, he couldn't do anything with him. And as we saw, he couldn't do anything with him striking. That kid needs to go back to the drawing board and do some work. He's right. He's just not at their level. Um, and this is all kudos to Bellator to signing just such incredible talent the way they have been doing. I'm telling you, you might not be noticing it yet. Mark my words. In two years, 
man, Bellator with the Dazzin deal, with all of this up and coming crop of talent that they have, with the tournaments and everything they do. Within two years, I'm telling you, Bellator is going to be incredible. All of these guys are going to be household names and people are going to be paying attention to Bellator just as much as they're paying attention to UFC. So um, all in all, salute to the man, Ricky Bandejas. Congrats on a, on a well-deserved win. Um, super happy for that dude. All right. Next fight I want to talk to was Darian Caldwell. Um, he defeated Noad Lahat. Now, this was a good fight. It was a decent fight. And again, this is cool. And I appreciate Bellator for doing this. And I also appreciate Caldwell for doing this also. Uh, Caldwell is the, the champion at 135 pounds in the UFC or in Bellator. He decided to go up to 145 pounds just to scrap and challenge himself. Something that we used to go ahead and see Anderson Silva doing in the past. And we're seeing more and more guys do that more regularly. But only when they like to have the belt and certain things like that. So he goes out there against a very tough opponent. He ends up getting the first KO of his career. KO in this dude, uh, second round, two minutes and 45 seconds. And you can just tell Caldwell, very, very well schooled. Incredible grappler. He keeps incredible pressure. Um, and honestly, really, really good D. Doesn't really get hit very often. Um, it was fun to watch. Fun to watch, fun to see. Um Darren Caldwell has a, a the Bellator's 135 pound division. They have they have some guys, and uh, Caldwell is, is the is the top of the top. And it seems as if after that fight, Patricky Pitbull, who is again one of the best fighters in the world that you may not know, he he's beat all kinds of guys in multiple weight classes. Um, he's calling out Caldwell, and that is a fight that 100% I would love to see. So I can't wait uh, for that. You're listening to the Fight Podcast, and we are brought to you each and every week by Sage Eats. Sage Eats offers healthy meal prep and fitness mentoring. Sign up for Sage Eats at sageeatschicago.com. Apply promo code FIGHT. For 20% off your first three months. Remember to follow the Fight Podcast on all social media platforms at the Fight Podcast and follow me at Serge Vicente. Support the show by checking me out on the website, thefightpodcast.com. Purchase merch today. All right. The next big event of the weekend Tyson Fury, the 27-0 with 19 KOs, ended up fighting Francisco Pianeta, who is 35-3. Now, before we, we get on Tyson Fury, I just want to put it like this. Pianeta is, yes, he's 35-5, but he has lost his last three. He's lost his last three of four, and he's four and four in his last eight. So just putting that out there, we can see that this is not one of the best caliber guys that that has been out here, right? Okay. Um. So let me get to the positives. Uh, Tyson Fury goes ahead, wins unanimous decision, you know, all across the board, wins every single round. And um, 
Some say he looks impressive. Some weren't so much. <laughs> uh, so th- this is how I feel. Let me get into the positives first. The positives first. Tyson Fury, for a man his size, has incredible movement. He moves so well. He's light on his feet. Um, and he uses it for defense. Some people, he uses it for both. In and out, side to side, great lateral movement. And it's funny. Um, he does a great job of turning his opponent. It's something that you see, again, I talked about a little, a little earlier, Vasily Lomachenko do. He's constantly turning his opponent. He doesn't really fight just laterally and and, and front and back. He almost fights in a semicircle. So he'll throw a couple combinations. He'll turn you, land a couple, turn you again, land a couple. So he's constantly moving. And again, for being as big as he is, and as we believe, after taking what three years off, after ballooning up to like four hundred pounds or whatever it was, I mean, he's in in pretty good shape. So it, it was it was it was fun to watch that aspect of his fighting. He uses his range really well. He's super tall. He's like 6'7". He uses every bit of it, and he fights at a pace at his range. And when he's allowed to do that, he lets his hands go. He scores a lot of scoring punches, not hurting punches. I don't believe that there was one single time in this fight that I actually saw him hurt his opponent. But he still scores a lot. He's awkward. He's so awkward. But he's awkward in the best way possible. Very herky-jerky. He gets on the inside. He makes it ugly. He holds onto the rope. He showboats. He, He comes from angles you're not accustomed to. So, again, he's awkward in the best way possible. And that's what actually makes him so fun to watch. You don't know what's going to happen next. And that's what is brings the showmanship, the movement, the combination. That is the allure of Tyson Fury. He's super big. Again, remember, this dude got to like 400 pounds. He's 6'7". He's like, you know, high. He's like 260 or something ridiculous right now. But he's deceptively fast. Again, throws great combinations, good hand speed, really, really good hand speed. And he fights really, really, really well on the inside. And he was able to do this. He was able to he was able to do all of this against his far smaller and just less superior. He was far more superior than this guy. This guy didn't even we talk about levels to the game. This was definitely a tune up fight. So Fury won a lopsided 10-round decision. I'm going to be very honest with you. A lot of people like Tyson Fury. And again, all in all, he's okay. I, I, I understand it. I do. He's fun. He's, he's good for the sport. Um, if you watched his fight with, uh, um, when he beat and he, he, he attained the lineal championship and beat... Vasily Lomachenko, or not Vasily Lomachenko, I'm sorry. Um, Klitschko, he beat Klitschko. It was not the most entertaining fight. His last fight against Sefri, or Sefer, was a very un, 
Just 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 an appalling fight. It was it was awful. It was so boring. It was, it was almost a mockery. And this fight honestly was not that much better. He did what he wanted to. He didn't really get pushed. He had a tough guy in front of him, which is great. And he that guy took punches, but there was nothing that he never had anything on any of the punches. He didn't do anything to discourage his opponent from coming forward. And his opponent constantly came forward. Now, could this have been a part of his game plan? Absolutely. And even after the match, he said that he wanted to get the rounds in. That was more important to him than getting a finish. I get it. I understand that. Do I really believe that's what it was, though? Negative. Nah. I think that's what he is. I, I think that's who he is. I had to go back and watch a number of uh, Tyson Fury's fights. And yo, this dude is extremely skilled. He moves very well. For being as big as he is, surprisingly doesn't have that much power. And yeah, I'm talking about somebody with 19 KOs and 27 fights. Still doesn't have that much power. So, after this fight, what did Tyson Fury get for his prize? Yeah, that's what he gets. Deontay... The Bronze Bomber Wilder. That's who he gets. Uh, Wilder is the WBC heavyweight champ with a record of 40 wins, no losses, and 39 KOs. Every man that he has stepped in there with, he has knocked out. So, what do I think is going to happen? Look, man. I don't believe that Tyson Fury has ever fought anybody as fast and as athletic, explosive, and as powerful as Deontay Wilder. I believe that Wilder has fought more dangerous and skilled fighters in the Cuban King Kong Ortiz. Louis King Kong Ortiz. Beast. And look, when that fight comes up, I'll break it down a little bit more, but... I honestly do not believe that fight goes past six rounds. After watching Tyson Fury's last few outings, after looking at his reaction time, looking at how he fights these other opponents, the majority of his opponents are smaller guys, not as physically gifted as as Fury is. Fury can dance and move as much as he wants. All it takes is one shot. Tony Bello, another British champion, cruiserweight champion. He just defeated David Haig, another fantastic British champion. Both men believe that Deontay Waters are going to get him out of there within five. I say six. So I'll break that fight when it comes down a little bit closer, but... It's still, I can't wait. I, 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 and, and here's the thing, and this is what's most important, and I'm glad I thought about it. This is why this fight is so important. 
Deontay Wilder over the better part of the last two years has been going all around the world chasing around Anthony Joshua. Anthony Joshua, for those of us who do not know, Anthony Joshua is the, I guess you can say, the lineal heavyweight champion. He's over there in Great Britain as well. Very, very skilled. Um, he's 21-0, 20 knockouts. Moves well, very, very well school. Gold medalist and I believe uh, in, a, the, in the Olympics. I believe, I want to say the 2012 Olympics, I believe. But he's a gold medalist, um, undefeated as a pro. He's amazing. Wilder's been vying for that fight to unify the titles. And it seems as if Anthony Joshua's team does not want that fight, at least not right now. The fact that Deontay Wilder pretty much skipped over him got the other big British champion. And here's the thing. A lot of us here on this side of the pond don't realize it, but first and foremost, they know they're boxing out there. They probably know boxing better than we do. And over there, it's split. Half the country loves Anthony Joshua. The other half of the country loves Tyson Fury. There are two undefeated champions over there. One's 27-0, one's 21-0. So the fact that it seems, it appears that this dude just straight up didn't want the fight, it looks bad. It looks bad. It makes Anthony Joshua look scared. Do I think Anthony Joshua's scared? No, I don't believe he's scared. But there's something in that fight that he does not like. Deontay Wilder said that he was going, gave him, they sent him a check for $50 million. The fact that he was willing to give him that cash, even even the point that he said he was willing to be the B-side, says a lot. So... The fact that Anthony Joshua said, or should I say, Deontay Wilder said, forget you, I'm going to the other guy. Someone who many believe is just if tough, if not tougher. Now, here's another thing. Look at this. Deontay Wilder's last two fights, last three fights. He fights Tavern. He's no slouch. He's not the best in the world, but he's no slouch. Luis Ortiz. The dark horse in the division. The most skilled heavyweight with devastating power was winning the fight. He still got KO'd. And now he's fighting Tyson Fury. Nobody can ever say again that Deontay Wilder ducks fights. You can't. You can't stand on that anymore. It's over. He's fighting the best available talent. And not only is he fighting the best, he's beating the best. After he beats Tyson Fury, and I believe he will, Deontay Wilder is the best heavyweight of this generation. Hands down. He's, he, and not only will he beat Fury, 
he's he's gonna be he's gonna be Anthony Joshua as well. So I break that fight, I break them all down when they get closer. But hey, all right, moving on. This weekend's big winners, and I love doing this also um, because there's always big winners and losers of the weekend. Losers, I don't care. I'm not going to talk about that. I'm not going to talk about anything negative. The winners of the weekend. Come on, man. You know, the, the, the reason we did this show today. Ricky Bandejas was the winner of the weekend. ESPN. Bleacher Report. All the MMA and combat sports publications have all posted his knockout victory over Gallagher. This kid is going to be a star. And this just sprung board him into that. It's awesome to see being somebody who just really loves combat sports and like I'm invested in these athletes. When I see somebody come from almost nowhere and people believe Shia says from nowhere, it's really exciting, man. Um, I, I was excited when Connor came out of nowhere until he ended up being a weirdo. So I'm always excited to see it. So Ricky Boundahouse 100% is the winner of the entire weekend, if not the month. So um, salute to that, man. I, you know, and honestly, I spoke to him. I spoke to Ricky this past week. Um, after his big win and uh, he will be on the show again sometime soon so i will let you guys know when that's happening but we're really excited about that my next winner of the week deontay wilder (laughs) how can he not yes he did not fight but he is the winner because he got the prize he gets to fight against one of the top three heaviest in the world, one of the most popular athletes in the world. And if he beats that man, he becomes the man. If he beats him, he becomes the man who beat the man who beat the man. So, because he beat Fury, who beat Klitschko when Klitschko was still Klitschko. Anthony Joshua beat Klitschko after Klitschko took an L. So it's different. It's very different. So he'll be the man who beats the man who beats the man. And uh, it'll be very sad. So Deontay Wilder, big one of the weekend. IG polls. We still do our IG polls every week, moving to the IG polls. Um, What I asked for this weekend, I said, who do you think is going to win Wilder or Tyson Fury? What's your early pick? Each and every week, we go ahead and post on our Instagram page uh, we, and we post polls. Please, please, please go out there and um, and interact with us. Ask questions. Actually, I have a your turn to talk portion coming up soon. But um, each and every week we post questions throughout the week. Answer them and we'll go ahead and put it right here on this show. So who do you think will win between Wilder and Fury? You know how I feel. How do my listeners feel? 75% of the listeners believe Wilder will win the fight. Yeah. I, and I'll be honest with you. If I had more British fans, I'm sure it'd be different. Don't get it twisted. It'll come. Before you know, we'll have, you know, we, we, we do have a couple of listeners from Britain. And I'm sure they're going to curse me out in a minute, too. <laughs> but, but, uh... 
Yeah, yeah. No, they, 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 that's what we do. I believe Fury is uh, going to take an L. Wilder's going to win. And uh, yeah, that's there it is. All right. Your turn to talk. Great portion of the show where um, our fans get an opportunity to interact and I will answer the questions. I'm not even going to say fans, my listeners. I appreciate you guys. And for everybody who went ahead and uh, posted questions and submitted questions, thank you so much. Uh, We're going to go ahead and make sure we answer as many of them as we can each and every week. All right. The first question comes from at Ethan33. Is Bellator becoming more exciting than the UFC? Hmm. I'm not going to say that they're going, they're becoming more exciting, but they are preparing themselves to be more exciting in the long run. The UFC is more talented and their roster is crazy. If you look at some of their past cards, man, top to bottom has been great. But I will say this, the gap is closed. It used to be a huge gap. Now, it's, I mean, maybe it's a tortoise and a hare approach. Bellator is definitely catching up. If the UFC doesn't get their stuff together, that, that's definitely going to happen. All right. At Marco Rowe. Hmm. Marco Rowe asks, how do you see the Yair versus the Beat fight going? Man. I can't wait for this fight. Um, two 145-pound guys in the UFC that are crazy explosive, crazy dynamic, and just so well-rounded. I have Zabit winning this fight. Zabit has better grappling. He trains with Frankie Edgar. And if we remember, the last time we saw Yair, he fought against who? Frankie Edgar. Frankie had his way. Second round, K TKO. Took him down, just did work. If Zabit chooses to play that game, he can do that. If Zabit chooses to stand with him, I believe Zabit beats him there too. I think it's going to be an entertaining fight. I still see Zabit finishing this mid to late second round. All right. At Tomcat asks, who deserves a title shot more? Dominic Cruz or Marlon Marais? I feel like all these questions are uh, talking about uh, the team over there in Jersey. <laughs> Yo, Marlon Marais, without a doubt. Come on, are you crazy? He went ahead and, and he has the run that he is currently on beating the likes of Jimmy Rivera. Come on. Jimmy Rivera's on a 22 fight win streak, KOs him in the first round. Algermain Sterling, monster. He KZOs him in the first round. That was all this calendar year. I haven't seen Dominic Cruz fight in like two years. I am not a fan of watching guys who have not fought get immediate title shots. I don't care what you did in the past. And honestly, in my opinion, Dominic Cruz has lost his last two fights. So I'm, I, I don't want to see that. Dominic Cruz does not, does not deserve a title shot. Dominic Cruz deserves a solid comp- competitor. 
Let him fight Jimmy Rivera. Let him fight uh, Cody Garbrandt. Let him fight a number of these guys. But he does not deserve a title shot. Marlon Marais should 100% be fighting for the chip at 135 pounds next. All right. RT Smooth. I like that. RT Smooth asks, is the UFC in trouble if Conor wins the belt after two-year layoff? And is the lightweight division in trouble? Hmm. No, the UFC is not in trouble if Conor wins. He's, he's, he's their main guy. He's there's the money man. If the money man's winning and in charge, it's good for business. So business-wise, it's incredible. But I'm glad uh, R.T. Smooth said this. Is a lightweight division in trouble? Yes. It's, it's a cluster. It's, off, it's awful. Because what's going to end up happening if Conor wins... He's fighting George St. Pierre. Nobody is sniffing a title shot. Not named Conor McGregor or George St. Pierre if Conor wins until almost 2020. How ridiculous is that? Like, seriously. If Conor wins, he's fighting George. He'll end up fighting George sometime mid next year, anywhere between March and the July show, probably. I, I, I don't see it. I, I don't. I don't. I, I mean, if he wins, they're going to need to open up this 165 pound division or something because nobody's going to get a shot. It's going to be awful. It's, it's such a log jam. It's a cluster as it is already. Like three guys at that division's guy has belts. It's crazy. So who knows? Um, what do I think? But yeah, it's not a good look. So does he have an opportunity to fight, to win? Oh, ho, ho, ho. yeah, yeah. I, I'm hard on Connor, but I mean, come on. I'm curious. I'm curious to see how he's going to be after two years off. Two years out of MMA competition. I don't care what anybody says. Ring rust is real. But we'll see what ends up happening. Good question, guys. That is our question. That is your turn to talk portion of the show. Thank you for everybody who submitted. And uh, we'll be doing this each and every show. We'll have some more questions on our next episode later on this week. All right. My weekend hot takes. Hot take number one. Yo, and we talked about this a little bit in in the show. Bellator has done an amazing job with prospects. Ricky Bandejas, James Gallagher, Rafael Lovadio Jr. at 85, El Matador Sanchez at 145, Aaron Pico, the prospect of prospects, Ed Ruth, the beast who's my dark horse to win the 170-pound tournament, the welterweight tournament. The list goes on and on. I'm telling you, this is, I mean, Bellator is fun. With the Dazzin deal and other things like that, people, we need to pay attention to what they're doing. If you want to see quality MMA up-and-coming people who are going to be there for years, pay attention to Bellator. I love it. 
PFL also, but I want to talk about Bellator right now. All right, second hot take. Today, the UFC... <laughs> Today, the UFC rankings came out. Pound for pound rankings, number five, GSP. Huh? Number four, Max. Mm. Number three, TJ. I interchange them there. I get it. Number two, Conor McGregor. What? I have a real problem with this. How is it possible that a guy who has not competed in two years leapfrogged everybody and all of a sudden the number one, the number two pound for pound athlete out there? And that's not even what I'm really upset about. If you put him at five, I wouldn't even say anything. But the fact that you put him at two and you dropped Demetrius Johnson out of the top five after a fight that most people believe he won? What? The UFC needs to do away with these rankings, man. It's awful. And you're messing with these athletes' money. Because all of a sudden they're like, nope, this is how much you pay because this is how much, you know, this is where you are in the rankings. It's total BS. There's no way in hell that McGregor should be the number. And you can say he's the number six pound for pound. I'll give him that. He hasn't fought in two years. He comes back in. Whatever. Give him that. Number two? And then we just take DJ out like it never happened? The most winningest champion in MMA history. The longest reigning champion ever. He passed every... He, George St. Pierre's records. Anderson Silva's records. Everybody's records. He passed those. And you took him up for Conor McGregor. Are you kidding me? Are you kidding me? You have to do better. It, it's, it pisses me off, man. And it damn near makes me not want, and those are the things that make me not want to cheer for Connor. Those are the things that make me not want to cheer for the UFC. Blatant hypocrisy. Blatant favoritism. And you have the people going out there talking that trash, talking that talk about, you know, Oh, but it's business. If you don't like it, lose my number. I didn't have your number to begin with, fool. It's garbage, man. It's garbage. And honestly, I believe in the fighters. I believe in fair play. It's not happening right now. If we want to see our sport grow, we need to change this nonsense. UFC, get it together. My last hot take of the day. Now I know I, I know I don't generally curse on this show. But yo, actually I'm not going to curse right now. Whatever. I'll save it. <laughs> yo, I love doing this. Thank you to all of my guests who've come on consistently. Um, thank you to everyone who's listening. Thank you to you for consistently listening to the show. I love being able to get on the mic and just talk about something that I love. Um, this show will continue growing and, um, believe me, you, we will get bigger 
and we will continue growing and we will be at the same platform as some of those other people. The big Browns, the, the bloated belts, the aerial who wanted the MMA hours, this show will be there also. I love this. That is my hot take. My hot take is I'm betting on me. We'll be there. And I'm, and I, and I, I, and thank you so much for being a part of the early stages of this journey. With that being said, this is the Fight Podcast. I'm your host, Serge Vicente, and thank you so much for joining me today in episode, oh, I didn't even say it at the beginning, 27 with, man, episode 27 of the Fight Podcast. The Fight Podcast is brought to you each and every week by Sage Eats. Sage Eats offers healthy meal prep and fitness mentoring. Sign up for Sage Eats today. SageEatsChicago.com. Apply promo code FIGHT for 20% off your first three months. Remember to follow the Fight Podcast on all social media platforms at the Fight Podcast and follow me at Serge Vicente. Support the show by checking me out on the website, thefightpodcast.com. Purchase merch today. Thank you guys again for everything. Thank you for listening. This is Serge Vicente here on the Fight Podcast. Peace out.